How many of you remember Psalm 150? It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with a timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? How about we take a moment to start 2022 before we take communion to just praise Him and lift up a shout of victory and praise Him. Amen? Let's do it. We praise You, Lord. We worship You, Jesus. You are worthy of all glory, worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor. There is no one like You, God. No one like You. We worship You, Jesus. We thank You, Jesus. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Jesus. We love You, Jesus. We love You, Jesus. Just stay here a little longer. We love You, Jesus. We worship You, Lord. Thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your peace. Thank You for Your love and forgiveness. Thank You for Your correction. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You for You. We love You. We praise You. We join with the chorus of angels and and saints singing praise to You. We praise You. praise will ever be on our lips, ever be on our lips. Your praise will ever be on our lips, ever be on our lips. Your praise will ever be on our lips, ever be on our lips. Your praise will ever be on our lips, ever be on our lips. All right, we're going to take time to partake in the Lord's Supper. So um, come on up and make your way to the front and grab the elements. The center plates are for gluten-free. And uh, come down the center aisles and just return back to your seats.
was thinking last night about what what to share for communion time today. And the uh, passage of scripture that came to mind almost immediately. Is this microphone okay, guys? Yes. Yes? Okay. Um, Is John 17. And John 17 is such an awesome chapter because it's Jesus praying, you know, before he's going to be taken into custody and, and killed. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for um, those who will become disciples. And in verse 20, it starts and he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, right? <laughs> Amen. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I, gave, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. The glory of God is to be one with him. Amen? That they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This whole purpose that Jesus came was to reestablish oneness with the Father for all of us. Amen? And so as we partake today, let us keep that in mind that he wants to be one with us and that we are one with him through the Holy Spirit inside of us because he died on the cross and let his body be broken and his blood shed for our sins to save us from sin. So let's just take a moment, close your eyes, and just be with Jesus in this moment, repent of sin or whatever you need to do, and just think and thank him for the glory of being one with God. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. We thank you for wanting us. Wanting us so much that you give us your only begotten son. So that way we could be one with you. Restored as it was at the beginning when you created Adam and Eve. We thank you, Jesus, for being willing to lay down your life for us. To shed your blood for us. To pay the ultimate price. There's no greater love. We thank you so much for it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We're going to continue to worship, so please stand if you can, and let us do that. This is on, huh? There we go. Should I switch to the other microphone? No? Good? Okay. Sorry for the feedback. All right. Oh, God is so good, amen? His presence is so good. Uh, we're going to take some time to say hello to each other and greet one another. Uh, the offering buckets will be up front, and um, if you have children, the kids' bags will be available for you. And so, yeah, take the next few minutes, say hello, enjoy each other's company. Um, oh, hold on. Hello. I'm going to be doing some announcements this morning. Um, the first announcement that I have is um, Wednesday worship and prayer this coming week. Um, that's January 5th this coming Wednesday, and that's at 6.30 in the sanctuary. And pastors Jason and Liz are going to be there this week, and it's just a great time of worship and prayer. Um, I think that's something, well, I know it's something that we all need, and I think at this time, this season in everyone's life, we all need it more than we think we do and more than what we actually partake in. So that's a really good time to just come and pray and worship and do what we were made to do. And um, then we have on the back table and in the, in the lobby, we have the Bible reading plans for this year, 2022. So those are in the back. And um, if anyone didn't get any or you need extra, you can let me or Pastor Andy know, and we can get you those. And then we have the awakening prayer guide on the back table as well, and that's for our prayer and fasting um, month that starts today. Um, so if you haven't thought about what to pray for and fast for, that would be something to pray about and think about and talk to God about, and um, those guides are really helpful if you're not sure what to pray for or you want like a real focus in that. Um, those are really great for that, so yeah. On again? There we go. So, I'm speaking today. First time, a, so I'm pretty excited. <clears throat> you know, uh, Pastor Jason asked me to speak on fasting, and um, I was like, awesome. What a great message to start with, something no one wants to do, generally speaking. <laughs> and uh, it made me laugh because 
you know, I have been trying to uh, get fasting uh, a part of my life, make it a part of my life over the last few years. In this last year, though, I did not fast, I think, really at all. And then he asked me to do it, and I was like, oh my goodness, okay, God's getting my attention to start doing it again. So um, we're, we're going to talk about fasting. Before we do that, we're going to ta- uh, talk about offering real quick, and I want to encourage you guys with Psalm 37. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. The verse should be up on the screen. Starting in verse 23. Actually, I'm going to read it from up there because I have the King James Version, and this is the New King James Version. But it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. And I just wanted to encourage all of us, you know, David never saw the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. God takes care of us. And so whenever we give, whether it's of your tithes and offerings or when you're giving to somebody else out in the world, in whatever way, you can trust that God is going to take care of you. Amen. He's going to take care of us. We're not going to be left on the streets and begging bread. He takes care of his kids. Amen. So let's pray for um, our tithes and offerings and just thank him. Father, we thank you so much that you are faithful to us because you are a good dad, a good father, and you take care of your children. And I thank you, Lord, that you're taking care of us right now. And I ask you just to bless the tithes and offerings that were given today. Lord, use them, multiply them for your kingdom, Father. But I ask you to stir our hearts more and more this year to give and to bless others in every way we can, to love extravagantly through generosity, and to trust you to take care of us at all times. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so fasting. Let's see here. What do I have in my notes? I've only got like 30 pages of notes here. No, I'm not an expert in fasting, just so you all know. Um, I'm learning uh, just like everyone else. And um, this, this discipline of fasting is probably one of the, I won't say the most important, but it is, in my opinion, one of the most important disciplines we can get involved in our lives, spiritually speaking, because it's probably the hardest one to do. Would you agree? I mean, if, if uh, someone came to you and said, uh, you can either give $100 or fast for three days, I think most of us would say, I'll just give you the hundred bucks. It's a whole lot easier than dealing with stomach, stomach cramps and all of that. So fasting is important. It's the hardest one to do probably because it is the most powerful one, I believe, within our lives to accomplish the will of God and to really get us, to give us an edge in this life over our enemy. Uh, my first experience with fasting was not a great one. Um, I was like 18 or 19. I worked at a place called Acupac uh, 
in McCain. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. It's not there anymore. But um, I don't know how I got in the conversation with the guy, but somehow I made a bet with him that I could go a whole week without eating food. And um, it wasn't a great decision. And I was like, you know, I'll make this into a spiritual thing. You know, I'm going to fast. I'm not going to tell him. Uh, I, I don't know why we're talking about it, but I'm like, I'll just make it into a spiritual thing and seek God while I'm doing it. Well, I got to day three, believe it or not, and I was not in good shape. I had the worst headaches and felt awful. And I went and talked to my mom. And I said, and she said, what's going on? And I told her the story. And she's, she just looked at me as any wise mother would and just gave me that look like, don't be stupid. You know, like, eat some food. Like, you're totally doing this for the wrong reason. You're, you made a bet with somebody that doesn't even make sense. So she's like, go eat something right now. So I ate something and I felt a lot better. Um, and so today we're going to talk about fasting. What really is fasting? What does it look like in the Bible? How do we do it? All of those things. So I kind of have a lot of information and I will, um, if I repeat myself, please forgive me. But um, yeah, we're just going to kind of go through it. And this will kind of be more of like a teaching type message um, than, than preaching. So um, for me, we're starting these 21 days of fasting. And fasting, when we do the, the 21 days in the Daniel fast, I was very enthusiastic about it in the beginning. And then as I did it, um, because I didn't really understand it, it was one of those things that it almost became frustrating for me. Has anyone ever felt that way about like having fasting, you're like, why do we have to do the Daniel fast, or why do we have to do these first three weeks of fasting and, and prayer, and it's, it's so funny, because it's like, hello, we're starting the new year, we're seeking God, we're putting him first, but I would still feel like weird about it, because for, for, for some people, for myself, I kind of felt like it was a fad at times when I was doing this fast, and fasting is a very personal thing between you and God. It's a very uh, purposeful thing that we have to decide to do. And, you know, I didn't fully understand it. Like, why was Daniel, why are we doing the specific foods within the Daniel fast? When I would read through Daniel, you know, in the beginning, he was fasting food, uh, specific foods, because the king was providing him with food that was going to defile him according to the law of Moses. And so he couldn't eat it. And so he purposed in his heart, I'm going to seek God and it wasn't necessarily like a fast where he was fasting food necessarily for a purpose as much as just simply he couldn't eat it according to the law and he wanted to honor God in that way. And then when you get to Daniel 10, you know, he was fasting and it says he just, he, uh, he, he stopped eating any pleasant food, so pleasant or desirable food. And then it said that he um, neither ate meat nor drank wine and that he didn't bathe for 21 days. He didn't anoint himself for 21 days. And that, so I was like, you know, if we're going to do the Daniel fast, let's go all in. You know, like, I'm not even going to bathe, right? So I didn't, but I didn't fully understand it. You know, Daniel, he was in this moment with God where Israel was in their 70th year of uh, captivity in Babylon. And and he was wondering and seeking God, like, when is Israel going to be restored and so he actually went into a state of mourning where he just sought God in repentance and in mourning for Israel and wanting to know, you know, what God was going to do when we were going to go back to Israel and the land be restored. 
And then, sure enough, he did. He fasted. He didn't bathe. He, didn't, he did all that. 21 days later, the angel shows up and tells him his answer. And Daniel was able to actually not just get the answer for when Israel would be restored and go back to the land in the very near future, but also Daniel was given dreams and visions of the last days. I mean, Daniel really is the guidebook for the last days, for the return of Jesus. So super amazing, super powerful. So we're going to look at fasting in a, in a pretty deep way today. And I want to recommend some books. I don't have all three. I was going to recommend three. Um, has anybody ever heard of Jensen Franklin? Pastor Jensen Franklin? So he has some great books on fasting. One of them is just called Fasting. And then the other one is called The Fasting Edge. I would recommend getting both of them. I have the other one, and I think I lent it out. So if you have it, please give it back to me. <laughs> um, so Jensen Franklin Fasting. Um, the other one is The Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. This book I got back when I was at Rama in Bible school, and I did not want to read this book because when I was there because I was, it was like required reading. And I was like, I'm required to read a book on discipline. Like it kind of went against the idea of being disciplined when you're forced to do it. And so, um, but then I pulled it back out and, uh, you know, it's a really, really fantastic book. So um, buy it and use it and read it. It might be something good to read while we're doing the Daniel fast as well, or the fast in general as well. And so check those out. All right, so um, what is fasting? Um, I do have quite a few scriptures as we go through this. I have a few of them up on the screen, um, but just so you know. Okay, what is fasting? Throughout scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. The dictionary, dictionary dictionary.com, says to fast is a verb that means to abstain from all food or to eat only sparingly or of certain foods Uh, especially as a religious observance. So fasting, by definition, is the removal of food from your life for a specific purpose. Um, Fasting is practiced by most all major religions. Biblical fasting is distinctly not a hunger strike. Who's ever heard of someone going on a hunger strike? You know, they're in prison and they're wanting to make a political point or gain some power in that way. Um, Biblical fasting is not a hunger strike. Um, it is not a dietary, it's not health dieting. In the, in the Bible, when you read about fasting, it's not dieting. Though, when you're dieting and trying to get your body into health, uh, fasting is a very great thing, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, fasting uh, is not necessarily the removal of distractions in your life. So one of the things that we'll often say, which is not wrong to say, is I'm fasting uh, social media. So in the Bible, fasting always referred to food being removed, but we have taken it and said we're fasting a certain item or thing. It's not wrong to say that. In the Bible, just making the point that fasting always involves food, but how many of us do also nourish ourselves with entertainment, with social, you know, uh, social media, with all kinds of things. And so removing them, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm fasting this or I'm fasting that. I just want to make the point, in the Bible, it is fasting, and you'll see that, uh, fasting food, and you'll see that. 
Fasting is not a way to get God to do things for you. Okay, so this is a big one for me that I always have to keep on track because it's really easy to kind of get into that workspace mentality where you're like, you know, God, I just did this, so you should have to do this for me. And um, it gets into that whole contractual type of relationship that God does not want to be a part of. Uh, We're not in a contract with him. We're in a covenant with him. And we love him. And we fast because we love him. And because we want to know him and seek his face. And so fasting is uh, not a way to get God to do things, uh, to manipulate God, um, to earn God's response. Biblical fasting is a spiritual discipline that is used, and for the most part, uh, is used first and foremost to seek God. So fasting in Scripture is throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, um, and every time it's linked to prayer, and it's always removal of food. Types of fasting, there's individual fasting, which is generally a private matter between us and God, so we can fast individually, or we can do what we're doing now, this corporate fast where we're doing it together. In Leviticus 23.7, God actually, this is the only time God commanded Israel to fast, um, because fasting actually is not a command in the Bible. It's not something that you have to do this. Um, But it was, God did tell Israel for one day, it says in Leviticus 23.27, also the tenth day of this month, of this seventh month, shall be a, uh, the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So the day of atonement was the day where Israel would need to like, repent as a corporate nation and humble, humble themselves and afflict themselves uh, with fasting. So when we fast, we're actually afflicting our souls um, in order to seek God. How many, how many remember the story of Esther? Esther called for a corporate fast to save the life of Israel. Uh, that's in Esther 4, 15, and 16. And then another big corporate fast is the story of Jonah. And king of Nineveh called for a fast in repentance so that way they would not be destroyed. That's in Jonah 3. And um, that story is simply amazing because he made everybody fast, including the animals. And so, I mean... I don't actually know, I don't remember if it said how long the fast was, but they fasted, and no one ate anything, which is wild. Um, But it saved their life. Amen? Fasting, we'll see, fasting is a way in which we find deliverance from the things in our life and and, and safety. It'll save us um, when we humble ourselves in such a way where we remove food from our lives the very thing that nurtures us and sustains us, and we completely humble ourselves and seek God uh, calling out for him. So there's, the, there's individual fasting. There's corporate fasting. Another uh, type of fasting, getting out of like the people mode of it, uh, the type of fasting is just simply normal fasting as a spiritual practice. So normal fasting is just the removal of food but not of water. Okay, so it's removal of food and liquids but not of water. Jesus did a 40-day fast, and, uh, and you'll see it in Matthew uh, 4, but also in Luke 4, it says, uh, 4-2, he ate nothing, and he was hungry, which after 40 days, I would be hungry too, right? Uh, there is a partial fast, which we've talked about, the Daniel fast. So this is just the restriction of a diet and uh, removal of food with the purpose of not defiling ourselves and seeking God. Um, 
the partial fasts are a really great way to start, and we'll talk about that if you're not used to fasting. But you'll find the Daniel type of fast in, for your reference, Daniel 1, 8 through 16, and then also Daniel 10, 3. Then there is an absolute fast. So an absolute fast is where you're fasting food and water. So the Esther fast, as she called for Israel to do and for herself to do, what uh, is in, I'll read it, verse four, uh, Esther 4, verse 16. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, uh, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And then another absolute fast you'll find in the Bible is Acts 9, 9. And that is where Paul, on the road to Damascus, he encounters Jesus, he goes blind, and then he goes and he fasts for three days, no food and no water, Acts 9.9. Paul was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So we've got the types of fasting, the normal fasting, which we're just removing food and still drinking uh, water. The other one is the partial fast, where, where we're removing just a part of our diet. And then there's the absolute fast, which we remove water and food. And then there's one more, which I um, don't recommend trying unless the Holy Spirit is completely overshadowing you in this, and it is the supernatural fast. And that is no food or water for 40 days, which is uh, remarkable. So Moses, in Deuteronomy 9.9, it says, I went, When I went up to the, into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you. Then I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. So when something like this happens, it is completely God leading you, and uh, you're, you're in God's presence. Elijah, um, in 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8, it says, He arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days. So uh, Elijah was, he had just had that miraculous calling down fire from heaven, which would have been amazing to see. And then he hears that Jezebel is going to come after him, which you would think, hey, if God just sent fire down from heaven, why would I be afraid of Jezebel? But he was. And so he fled for his life. And a day in to the fleeing, you know, the angel of the Lord appears and he actually provides him with supernatural heavenly food and says eat and drink this food because the journey is going to be too hard too hard for you if you don't and so he he ate and drank supernatural food from an angel and then was able to go 40 days and 40 nights to the mounts of god in horeb and he did not die so supernatural fasts are really supernatural it is god literally keeping your body alive and strong and so I don't recommend starting trying to do one of those. It's one of those things where it just kind of happens. So, all right, people who fasted. This is not an exhaustive list, but we just mentioned Moses. Um, he did the 40-day supernatural fast. David did a seven-day fast for um, the life of the baby of Bathsheba. Which, uh, so he fasted seven days, you know, uh, in hopes that God would save the baby's life. And it's interesting, you know, he did the fast and the baby wasn't saved. And, um, but what it did do was that it, it was, you were able to see David's heart. 
just humble before God and grief for his sin. And so sometimes when you fast, you know, you might be seeking God for a specific answer, and you might not get the answer. But there is a process that's happening in you, this humbling of yourself. And God sees it, and he rewards it. Because David, um, in 2 Samuel 12, you know, that's the story of, of, of this fast. But afterwards, you know, he actually has another child with Bathsheba again, and it's Solomon, and Solomon is the one who's going to take over the kingdom. And so God, re, you know, restored him, and there's redemption in that. And uh, I believe it is in part because David humbled himself in such a way that he sought God's face uh, through fasting. Then we had Elijah, the, the 40-day supernatural fast. Esther did the three-day absolute fast. We have Daniel doing the partial fast. Anna the prophetess. Who remembers Anna? No? So Anna, you find her in Luke 2, and she uh, was a prophet, and um, she, it's said of her in Luke 2, 36-38, that she served God with prayers and fasting night and day. And she was actually uh, one of the ones that recognized Jesus as the Messiah as a little child or baby when he, when he was being taken to um, be dedicated in the temple. So Anna the prophetess fasted, and she did just normal fasting. It was a regular part of her life. Jesus did a 40-day uh, fast of food and to prepare for ministry and be tempted. During that time, the disciples did normal type of fasting, and then Paul the apostle did the absolute fast uh, in, and, uh, in, what we did, in uh, Acts 9. All right, so reasons for biblical fasting. So a lot of this, like I said, this is all kind of information right now. Um, reasons for biblical fasting, we kind of mentioned a few, but number one is to seek the Lord and to desire, desire to know him. You know, we fast first and foremost to seek his face, to know him, to draw near to him. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit here. Uh, another reason is t- for answers to questions hard questions and for understanding. So Daniel, when he did his fast, he did it because he needed an answer. How many of you need some answers in life right now? Anybody? Need some wisdom? Need some hope? He fasted for that reason. He fa- the, another reason is for repentance on individual or corporate levels. There's fasting to stop destruction and spiritual attacks. So how many of you have felt spiritually attacked over the last few years? Yes. Fasting will help you get through that. Fasting to seek the next steps in life. There's fasting to prepare for something the Lord is leading you into. There's fasting to break the sinful power of your flesh. So this is a big one. And fasting for this alone is worth it. Uh, Our fleshly nature is a lot stronger than we give it credit. Right? So let's take, for instance, if... I miss one meal, what, what will I say? If my stomach starts growling, I say, I'm, I'm starving. How many of you have said that? I'm starving. But it's like, technically you're not. Until you get to day 21, from 21 to 40, that's when you actually start starving. When your body literally starts to eat itself and the organs to survive. So, but our flesh is so strong and, and it gets us to do things and say things that we don't want to do. So, and we'll talk more about that. Um, but fasting breaks the power of your flesh, which we need in our lives. 
First uh, Corinthians six twelve. I'll just read some verses that Paul talks about. He says, all, "All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." So our stomachs often control us, right? They control how our emotions are. You know, how many of you get hangry, right? <laughs> okay. So I mean, should we get angry when we're hungry? No, you know. But the, our stomachs have that power, and and so, you know, this, uh, we don't want to be under the bondage of our stomachs. 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says, Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That way, when I have preached to others, I myself uh, should be, wouldn't become disqualified. I don't want to become disqualified, so I bring my body into subjection. Galatians 5.16 says, uh, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, when you put spiritual disciplines into practice, when we do that, it is, it is how we walk in the Spirit. It is a step into walking in the Spirit and how we overcome the lust of the flesh, because the lust of the flesh is strong. And then Psalm thirty-five, thirteen, David says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my, uh, and my prayer w- would return to my heart. So David was a practicer of fasting. And fasting removes distraction from your life. So, why should we make fasting a supernatural discipline? Well, we just gave a bunch of reasons. But I want to focus on a specific chapter, and um, it's in John 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 4. (coughs) Sorry, coughing with this microphone like this is not awesome. So I'm very sorry that I'm coughing so loudly. When we remove the very thing that keeps our bodies alive to seek God, there's a spiritual shift that takes place in us. So this story, John 4, we're going to read verses, uh, verses 27 through 35. And... This is the story of the woman at the well. So Jesus has just talked to the woman at the well and um, told her her whole life, and she's just floored and says, I need to go tell my friends about this. And so we're going to be picking up the story from here. In John 4, starting in verse 27, And at this point his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, verse 31, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And it always makes me laugh to think about this because, I don't know, I could just picture the disciples being like, who brought them food? Who snuck them food? Who brought them the McDonald's? You know, like, who, who got them the food? And, and Jesus says this. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I don't picture Jesus saying it in this pious tone. You know, I picture him kind of like looking at the disciples and giving them a wink like, I got some other good food that you don't know of. 
This is what it is. It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his, his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then come the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. So we see Jesus' real food in this was to do the will of him who sent him and to finish his work. And then he says, look, all the fields are white. There's lots of food available to you. There's lots of food that is going to nourish you beyond what physical food can. Jesus told his disciples no to the physical food at that moment because he was eating spiritual food right then. It seems that Jesus was actually in a moment of fasting because he didn't want any physical food. He was focused on his real food. So fasting, why should we fast? Fasting shifts our attention and desires onto seeking God, and it keeps us there. How many of you have tried to seek God and start reading your Bible or praying, and then like two seconds later, you're just off doing something else? That's me. I've done it. You know, I'll be thinking, I'll be praying and talking to God, and then the next second, I'm thinking about something completely different. I'm like, how did I get to this from when I was over here? So fasting shifts our attention and desires onto seeking God, and it keeps us there. Jesus refused the physical food in order to continue eating from his spiritual food keeping his attention wholly on the Father and his will. You know, when Jesus was was, uh, fasted in the wilderness, he went there to be tempted, but he fasted in that moment to draw near to his Father in preparation for the temptation that was going to come and to prepare for his ministry. But fasting keeps us on track because every time your stomach grumbles, it's a reminder of why you're doing it. I'm fasting because I'm seeking God. And it brings you right back on track. So if you're having a difficult time keeping your attention on God right now, fasting is probably what you need to do. You know, if you're having a hard time uh, struggling with a repetitive sin, focusing on spiritual things, just lack motivation and purpose, fasting is what you need to do. Jesus, in this moment, said, I don't want real food. I don't need real food. I've got food that is going to sustain me and keep me alive right now in a way that it's like it's like when you fast, you you have like supernatural taste buds that just take form, spiritually speaking. You know, it's it's it, he his, the food is tastes so much better. Doing the will of his father tasted so much better than having a sandwich in that moment. He wasn't worried about his stomach. You know, there's a reason that Jesus says in Matthew 6, you know, do not worry about the things you will eat or the things that you will wear. It's because there is a spiritual food that is so much better and he, he's going to take care of us. Fasting with prayer will help you get back on track. Romans 12:1 says, to present, uh, t- tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. When we're fasting and when we're seeking God and setting our attention on him, it is a way for us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Fasting is a simple and instant way to do this. Fasting aligns our, our sin nature bodies. So when we get saved, we get what? We become a new creation. We get a brand new heart, Right? In God's sight, it's a perfect heart. It's righteous. We have right standing with him. 
in that moment. But our flesh stays the same, right? I didn't get, you know, a superhero body after I accepted Jesus, which would have been awesome. I mean, how many of you wouldn't want that, right? But uh, we have our regular sinful nature bodies, but when we fast and we take our body and we refuse that food, we're bringing our body into subjection to God's word, to his will, and we're aligning it with our new heart that's inside, which gives us strength to control our thoughts and our mind, to keep our minds renewed in God's word, and it is a way for us to operate on a holistic scale, you know, walking in the new creation that we were made. So fasting aligns our, our bodies with our hearts, and it also removes distractions. It helps us remove distractions from our life. You know, as I said, it's a reminder. Oh, I'm seeking God right now. My stomach growls. Oh, yes, I need to pray right now. I need to turn off the TV. I need to turn off the social media. I need to turn off my phone, whatever is going on, and just seek God. Number two, why should we fast? Fasting is seeking to glorify God with our life. So it's kind of hand in hand, but it's more to it. The aspect of glorifying God. God has spoke to me, for me personally for this year, that I need to live a life where I am really focused on glorifying him with my entire life, with everything that I do. Things I think, say, do, you know, eyes, ears, my body, in every way, focus on glorifying him. We spend most of our lives glorifying ourselves, whether intentionally or unintentionally. How we perform with our accomplishments and how we look. And Paul addresses the situation. You can write down Philippians 3, 18 and 19. I think I have this on the, on the screen. But it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. We as human beings, it's so easy for us to seek our own glory. And we do it, I do it unintentionally, you know, by always focusing on appearance or, you know, how do I look? How am I going to come across today when I'm speaking in front of you guys? You know, that thought comes into my head. And it's like, no, doesn't matter. I'm just going to preach God's word and glorify him and love. That's it. And so we need to, we need to keep, we need to keep ourselves under and seek his glory more than our own. King Solomon spends a great deal of time in Ecclesiastes speaking against vanity and being vain. And he comes to the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. It's a great verse to memorize. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole conclusion of the matter of life. All of life is summed up in fear God and keep his commandments. Don't worry about your life the things you'll eat, the things you'll, you'll wear. Don't worry about anything. You know, I was talking to my friend Todd. Uh, some, most of you probably know Todd Sutton. But we were, we were uh, hanging out this past uh, Saturday? Yeah, yesterday? No, Friday. And it was Friday, yeah. And um, I, already, I lost track of the days. Um, Friday, we went and we shot you know, a, a shotgun and walked around this uh, farm that they have. And then... Um, uh, he started talking to me about the things God's been telling him. And he's like, do you understand how powerful God is? Like, 
how wise he is, how all-powerful and all-knowing and just infinite he is. He's like, you see this patch of grass out here? He could literally name every single blade of grass with a different name and do it all in different languages. I mean, he knows the number of hairs on each person's head. He knows when they fall out. He knows every bird in the whole world and when they fall to the ground. I mean, there's literally nothing he doesn't know. He knows every person you're going to come into contact with. He knows what you're going to do in the next second, the next thought you're going to think, the next word you're going to say forever. I mean, he is all-powerful. So what do we really have to worry about and fear? Why do I have to always focus on glorifying myself and worrying about my life when he's already got everything under control and he knows everything? And I realized when I was talking to Todd, you know, I don't ask God for enough stuff. Ask God, not for stuff, but for like wisdom, for answers, for, for anything. I spend more time worrying about God and glorifying my own self than I do just glorifying him and trusting him and not worrying. And so fasting, it really is a way that it, it, when, you hum, when we humble ourselves in this way and remove food, we begin to glorify God with our life, with our bodies, and we focus on doing his will and eating of his food. Fasting leads us to seeking his glory and trusting him 100% with everything. Jesus sought to glorify his father. John 8, 48 through 51, it says, Then the Jews answered and said to him, do we, say, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. And you dishonor me. He honored his father. And I do not seek my own glory. He sought the glory of God, his father. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. John 17, 4, we reread some of John 17 today. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus was focused on glorifying God. And in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, uh, verse 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Glorifying God is our purpose in this life. Glorifying him in every single way. Why should we fast? Make it a spiritual discipline. When we fast, we are actually feasting. And I got that from this celebration of discipline. When we fast, we are feasting. Jesus was actually eating while not eating. He was eating while not eating. He was eating the food of heaven, doing the will of his Father. Jesus was allowing himself to be nourished at a heart level, which sustained him physically at the same time. When I fast, there's so many times I'm like already thinking, okay, what is the hour that I can eat? You know, like, what is the food I'm going to eat next? You know, and, and instead of focusing on, right now I'm actually eating. I'm feasting. Can you eat and still be nourished by doing the will of the Father? Yes, of course. But there is a more nourishing type of food. And in Matthew 4, In verse 4, Jesus answers the devil when he's being tempted. You know, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For Jesus, eating the food of his father's word and doing his will was real food. And Jesus said to them in 635 of John, 
I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. When you fast, you are, you are basically exiting the McDonald's drive-thru, and you're, you're, you're going to sit down at a five-star Michelin restaurant and eat the best food you could ever eat. Amen? It's the best food. The best food. Fasting will fill you up and not make you feel bloated. How many of you like feeling bloated? Don't raise your hand. Okay. So, those are three big ones. Um, Fasting, number four. Why should we fast? Fasting will give you the edge, which I kind of mentioned. It gives you the edge in this life over the enemy, over the spirit of the world, and the circumstances of life. So fasting, in many cases in Scripture, gave the people a hand up on the situation. You know, Moses, while he fasted, you know, he had the edge. And he... In, in life, in that moment. And God gave him the law, the, ta- the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and the book of the law, but he saw God face to face while he was fasting. I mean, he saw him face to face. Think about what, like, in your everyday life, if you had seen God face to face, knowing him in that way, how that would strengthen you throughout the rest of your life. And it did. I mean, Moses never, he didn't die from old age. He was just, God said, okay, your time's up, and he just took him. Elijah fasted in fear, but got the answer he needed to overcome Jezebel. He got the edge back, and then he went back and wasn't afraid anymore. Esther got the edge over Satan's attack to destroy her people through fasting. Daniel got the edge, uh, got the answers that he needed from God for Israel and the prophecies that were foretold. Anna the prophetess got to see Jesus, the Messiah, as a baby. Something that she was hoping for and believing for. She lived a life of fasting and prayer. Jesus overcame a direct attack from Satan. And then in Mark 9, 29, you know, fasting gives you the edge over demons. It says in Mark 9, 29, he said to them, this kind of can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So the disciples, you know, this guy comes with his son. He says, can you cast this devil out of my son? And they can't do it. And then Jesus comes and he's like, oh, you need a little faith, you know. And then do I have to do everything for you? And then he casts the devil out of this young man and he's completely healed. And then his disciples come back to him and say, you know, why couldn't we do that? And he tells, him, and he tells them, listen, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting, you know. There is a power that comes. I don't know how it all works. Like I said, I'm not an expert on fasting. I don't see into the spiritual realm and be like, oh, you've been fasting and you obviously have power. I don't know how it works, but it gives us a power over the enemy. Is the enemy wreaking havoc in your life right now? In some way? In your mind? Are you feeling depressed? Worried? Struggling? Take the time to fast and pray. It'll give you the power that you need to overcome the enemy. Fasting, number five, fasting is a healthy way to take care of your body, your temple. So on a, on a physical level and yet a spiritual level, you know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so we need to take care of them. And I didn't do a lot of time. Uh, I figured everybody can take the time to look up the physical aspects of fasting. But here's some of the benefits. Everything from weight loss to detoxing your body to blood sugar control, fights inflammation, 
There's heart health, brain health, muscle strength. Fasting delays aging, extends life, bites cancer, and cancer treatment side effects. So there's a lot of physical benefits to fasting. But, you know, taking care of our bodies is a very spiritual thing. And so fasting, you know, I, there was a time, oh, I'll tell you this story quick, I don't, we don't have a lot of time left. Um, this is like the last point, and then uh, I'm going to talk about how to fast quickly. But, you know, there was a moment where I, uh, was, I was overeating a lot in New Jersey, and uh, I woke up and had just terrible acid reflux. And this is going to sound disgusting. You're not going to like hearing it. But, like, I threw up, and I threw up so hard that I dislocated my jaw. <laughs> I had to drive myself to the hospital at 3 a.m., the hospital, hospital I went to was not able to put my jaw back in place, so they sent me to another hospital that was also a dental school where they put my jaw back in place. And I didn't have health insurance, and it was just not awesome. And so uh, a couple months go by, and I didn't really change my diet. And um, I woke up with like the same thing almost happening. I like, was gagging, and I was like, I sat up in my bed, and I heard God say, you need to make a change. And I knew exactly what he meant. And I called the next day, I called my friend who's a beach body coach. And I was like, dude, I was like, here's the story. I need your help. He's like, okay, here's the diet you're going to start doing. Get a program, do insanity, whatever you want to do. So I did insanity. And I dropped a bunch of weight and it changed my life. And I, and I actually need to get back to that place. It's something I'm going to work on this year. But, you know, Jesus, I felt God say to me, what good are you on the earth if you're dead? You know, there's a lot of work to be done on this earth. And my time was not supposed to be right then, right? I wasn't supposed to die choking on, on acid reflux and all that gross stuff, you know? And so we need to take care of our bodies. And fasting is a great way to do it. It really is. Whether you're doing an actual, like, I'm fasting certain days, like, of food, doing an intermittent fast, um, or... Uh, you know, doing like a Daniel-type fast where you're removing specific foods from your life and getting back on track. So, you know, consider that wherever you're at in your life. That's between you and God. But um, fasting helps us physically. And then the last reason I want to say is fasting is necessary. Jesus tells us in Matthew 9, 14 through 17, then, then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And, when Jesus, and Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then they will fast. Has the bridegroom left? Yeah, he's up in heaven right now, right? Jesus, he's in heaven. He's going to come back real soon, though. But he's up there right now, which means what? And then they will fast. We, we, it's a necessary thing. Jesus wasn't commanding us to fast. He was just saying, yeah, they're, they're going to need to fast. It's, it's a necessary thing. We need to fast. And so, you know, as we start this fast today, or the, these three weeks of fasting and prayer, which fasting always needs to be linked with prayer. Okay, if you're just fasting, it's still a good thing. You know, if you're not praying, you're just basically, you know, doing the physical dietary benefits of fasting. But, but biblical fasting and these three weeks of fasting that we're taking is a spiritual thing and it is to be mixed with prayer. And so I want to encourage us, we have to pray when we fast and um, seek his face. 
So how do we fast? Practical steps. You know, one, never feel obligated to fast, okay? Um, this is something that we're choosing to do as a body, and no one is forced to do anything. But how to fast? Don't start with the supernatural fast, okay? Because we're not Moses or Elijah. Um, don't start with the supernatural fast. Don't start with the absolute fast. Start slow. So if fasting is not something that you do regularly. It's not a part of your life. Don't just be like, I'm going to just try to do a three-day fast. No. Start with the partial fast, okay? The Daniel fast, where you're removing specific foods and taking that time to seek God in prayer and, and, and um, just trusting him through it. So there's that. You can always start a fast just doing a meal. One meal a day uh, or one meal a week. You can do every other day. You can try to do two meals. A real great way to do a 24-hour fast is to start with, a, uh, start with a dinner, eat dinner, and then go the rest of the night and into the day and don't eat again till dinner. That's a 24-hour fast, but you kind of are able to eat and start it with food and then go through and, and eat again at the end of the day. So start slow. You don't have to rush fasting. All right, God's not in heaven, you know, up there being like counting the days and the meals that you've missed. Like, okay, now you get what you want. Okay, that's not how this works. Like I said, it's not about that contractual relationship. He's looking at our hearts. So just commit to doing something for these 21 days. Commit in some way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take this lunch. You know, something I used to do uh, would be take my lunch. I'd get a half-hour lunch, and I'd say, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat breakfast. I'm going to skip lunch, and now at that lunch, I'm going to go to my car. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes, and then go back to work, and I'll eat dinner when I get home. Simple way to start it. It wasn't too much, and the more that you do it, the more easy, I'm going to say the easier it gets, but you get used to doing it, and you can go longer as the Lord leads you. Um, I do want to say health restrictions. You know, uh, if you're nursing or pregnant, I would recommend not fasting, okay? Um, Definitely consult your doctor if you want to fast, but I would say don't because you have a baby inside of you. So uh, keep eating. If you want to get rid of some specific foods, that's fine, depending on what kinds they are. But uh, if you're pregnant, nursing, or you have a medical condition that requires you to eat food, okay, consult your doctor before you do any of that. Do not feel guilty of not being able to fast food during this time, all right, during these three weeks. You can always do a different, like I said, another fast where you're removing something else from your life, you know, the social media, whatever it is, to seek God. Because fasting is all about seeking Jesus and being with him. I want to encourage you, uh, Sydney talked about our 21 days of prayer, so you can use the prayer book to fast and, you know, focus on what to pray for. But I would encourage all of us, you know, to, if you have a journal or notes on your phone, make a note, write in your journal some of the things you're believing God for this year. Some of the things that you're wanting to see happen in your life, in your family's life, in your friend's life, at your job, um, whatever it is, write it down. Maybe you're believing God for healing in a certain area of your life. Um, Physical, emotional, whatever. Write it down. Make a list. And as we go into these 21 days, we can 
just seek God for those, for those specific things, and we'll watch him work, you know, in these three weeks, but also in the year. Because the goal of fasting for these 21 days is not only to, you know, do 21 days of prayer fasting and start the year right. The goal of these 21 days is to make fasting a part of your life every day, like in your everyday life. I've heard people say, and I've used the word, uh, the term a lot, but, um, you know, I live a fasted life. Has, has anybody heard that saying? I live a fasted life. Yeah, the idea is that you are living a life where you're keeping your body under control and you're living a fasted life where you're not letting the world distract you, not letting food distract you, but you're keeping your body under, you're keeping your flesh under, and you're seeking him every day. And so I want to challenge all of us to make that a lifestyle of fasting where, you know, once a month I fast a whole day, you know, or every week I fast one meal or I fast one day. or you, It's between you and God what you want to do. But if it's a regular part of your life, it's going to keep you in that mode of I am focused on Jesus, I am eating his food, I am glorifying God with my life. I have, it, it, keeps the, it keeps you in that edge. I mean, think about Paul. Paul said you know, that he suffered in, in his list of all of his sufferings. He says, fastings often. When you think about the way Paul suffered, you know, he suffered beatings, death, shipwrecks, persecution, thrown in jail, stonings, being uh, just totally despised by all the religious leaders. You know, he had so many things come against him. How did he overcome? He put, he put to practice the spiritual disciplines that God has given us through seeking God's, you know, seeking him in his word, through our confession, through uh, worship, prayer, and fasting. And again, fasting is something we need to incorporate because, again, it is probably the hardest one to do because our stomachs are always screaming at us, but when we do it, it's going to reap great results. Okay? Does that all make sense? Yes? Okay. That's a lot of stuff. So, um, let's pray, and then we can begin the 21 days of fasting. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us these spiritual disciplines. Lord, to help us walk in this earth and bring you glory. But Lord, I thank you that when we bring you glory, you also glorify us in, our, in yourself. Lord, just as when you made Adam and Eve, you know, they were made in your glory, completely one with you. And I thank you for these, these disciplines that you, one, have sent Jesus to die for us and raise from the dead so we could have eternal life and be one with you but you've given us these disciplines to strengthen us in that oneness with you until one day we'll be with you forever in perfection. And Lord, I ask you to stir in our hearts and in our minds the things you want us to focus on in these 21 days of prayer, both individually and as a local church, Lord God. And I ask you to give us the plan that we each need to step into these fast, this fasting time. Lord, give us the courage and boldness to do it and to seek your face. And I thank you, Lord, that you are at work in our lives. You are at work. And I ask you for miracles. I ask you for signs and wonders that the name of Jesus in our lives and in the people that are around us, Lord, as we do this fast, that your glory would be seen. 
Lord, in a new and powerful way, Lord Jesus, that this, our lives be changed, this church would be changed, and that our community would be changed in Jesus' name. And if there's anybody here today who does not know Jesus and found, you know, this interesting about fasting and having the edge in life, you know, the edge in life starts with Jesus. The edge in life starts with knowing him, the God who created you. And if you do not know him, I will be happy to pray with you today up here, right when I finish uh, closing here. Um, he loves you. He died for your sins. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And, and Jesus came to set us free from death and from sin. And so if you do not know him and you're looking for an answer right now, he is your answer, and I would love to pray with you at the end. So. Father, we thank you and praise you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, you're dismissed. Don't forget to grab the prayer catalogs in the back.